Hello and welcome to the best of season one of the Most Best Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Williams. And how was everybody's Christmas slash festive slash however you choose to celebrate season? Mine has been very drunk. I've had a couple of weeks off work and I have just been drinking and eating and hanging out with my cats. Uh, Nova is currently floating around the Most Best studio just being fluffy and ginger as ever. And I'm enjoying it. I, I'm going to have to try find a way to take my cats back to my day job because I don't think I'm going to be able to function without them going back. We are currently gearing up to start season two of the Most Best podcast. I'm going to put this out here now, so I've basically set myself a deadline that's public so you guys can hold me accountable. But we are going to be launching season two as of Monday, the 4th of February, 2019. I am going to start releasing episodes on Mondays. Only because I like to enjoy my Saturdays and not have to worry about frantically editing an episode and getting it posted. Uh, so I can leave myself the weekend to kind of just dip in and out, chip away at it, no pressure. And it just means I'm going to be happier, which means I'm going to produce better content for you guys. But what better content do I have to offer right now than my favorite clips of season one of The Most Best Podcast? In order, we have clips from Drew Taylor, Malcolm Tent, Tim Holhouse. Sandro Ford, Dylan Jones, Sarah Bridgman, Shani Thomas, Alex Perks, Rebecca Louise, Callum Stewart, the incredible Noel James, Haley Southgate, Sam Beard, I love Sam Beard, Chris Waters, Captain Criminal Chris, everyone's answering his big questions, Tommy Reese, James Dunn, the mountain man Bradley Sloans, he'll be back in season two to tell us about his mountain escapades, Charlie Hunt, Mike Powell of Mike Powell's Stand Up to Shyness, John Grizzly, and our thousandth listener and my good friend, Mr. Rob Hughes. So sit back, relax. This is probably going to be the last thing you hear from me until the new year. So have a great one. I hope you have plans. I don't. I'm just going to find a way to get drunk on my own with some people. We don't know. I will let you know about it in the new year. Thank you so much for the support. Remember, social medias are Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Most Best Podcast. You can get us on SoundCloud and on iTunes and on Spotify, and I'm looking to get more. Would you guys be interested if I was just to put the audio up on YouTube? Let me know. Get at me on the social media to know if that would be an easier option for you to listen. Uh, thank you so much for the support. Let's keep this going into the new year. Bigger, better, stronger. See you in February. Bye! Was there a certain point where you felt that, yeah, this is something I am going to stick with? You know, it is um. tough, but... Was there a certain thing that really gripped you and pushed you towards, you know, carrying on with comedy? Yeah, um, over the three over the three years so far, it, it sort of has been like um, sort of got better and better as gone along. Okay. I felt myself progressing, and um, I've got better as an act. The gigs have got better, you know, moved into paid work and things like that. Um, so it's, it's it has been quite positive and quite sort of. Um, it hasn't stagnated at all. I think if I got to a point where I was sort of not really good, felt like I wasn't going anywhere, I think it would be a lot more difficult then because you, yeah. because it's naturally that's, that's not what you want to be doing. But over the last three years, and hopefully it'll continue, it has sort of moved quite progressively, and it's been, like I said, tangible as well. I said earlier, like you know, the gigs have got better. I've started moving to paid work, signing with an agent, um, you know, doing like different things all the time uh, some of the stuff that i've been doing on my own sort of personal projects and some stuff is like club work and gigs and things like that but yeah so that's been quite motivating yourself because you're always seeing a little bit of progression yeah, a little bit yeah. of work and and you're moving on but then i think sometimes as well it's down to what you put in as well you know if you if you put a lot in yeah you you, you, know, you get out of if you don't put a lot in are you, are you gonna get as much out i'm not sure really um but what was it what did you say what was the sort of thing that really pushed you on yeah was there like a, a certain just like you know was there a low point maybe like a particularly bad gig but you still you know there was that driving force behind you thought yeah this sucks now but it's worth carrying on with because if that makes sense um i think like with a, with a bad gig um it's a case of going back to what we said about it's only you on stage yeah. and it is it is down to you ultimately like i'm not one to sort of blame the audience generally and stuff like that it's, it is down to you ultimately more more more, more often than not but if we have got a bad gig, it, 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 it's, it's a bit shit, and it feels a bit shit. But then, you know, go, go to bed, sleep on it, get up and get on with it. You know, there's it, no point in dwelling on bad gigs. Because no, no. I don't think, if you dwell on a bad gig, be, be reflective, be honest, ask yourself, why didn't that work? What could I do better? But beyond that, if you just dwell on it, it's, only gonna, it's not going to be a positive thing, ultimately. You just dust, dust yourself off and get on with it, you know? Like, um, 
I say sort of competition, not knockboxing competitions, like maybe not winning a final or, or getting knocked out of a competition. That can be quite annoying or, t- or tough because, like, for comedy, it's meant to be sort of a shared experience to a certain extent. You know, we're all on the comedy. You know, let's have a good night together. We put on a good show for everyone. But as a competition, that sort of um, ebbs away a bit and it becomes a bit like, oh, I, I hope he does shit now. No one laughs at doing. It's, it's not nice to have those sort of thoughts, really, because it's also a positive thing you know so competitions whilst they can be valuable naturally when you don't win or you get knocked out you think oh i can be a bit of a knockback but yeah generally it's all been pretty positive really i haven't had anything as too um too much of a shake yeah yeah, yeah. That was, that's but, great to hear man yeah but i probably do one <laughs> <laughs> uh when initially i put the idea of recording forward to tim uh he did mention that you once worked with Gigi Allen? Oh, Gigi Allen, yeah. That was bound to come up at some point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you ask the questions and I'll answer them. <laughs> well, the Gigi Allen thing, that was um, that began one day when uh, somebody walked into my store and said, hey, you got anything by Gigi Allen? And I'd kind of heard of Gigi because he used to advertise in uh, Maximum Rock and Roll. Yeah. All the time, if you know, if you or the listeners know, the preeminent punk and hardcore magazine uh, still is. In this digital age, it's still a print magazine. comes out every month, and they are just comprehensive in their coverage of punk and hardcore. And Gigi would always advertise in MRR. So I had his address. I wrote to him, said, what you got? He sent me a whole list of cassettes that he had available because at that time in uh late 1986 he was so broke and so strung out and you know one step from living on the streets all he could do was run off cassettes of all of his records and like bootlegs he had made of his own live shows and whatnot (laughs) so i i basically you know ordered a bunch of stuff from him um i told him i couldn't I, i had to sell him on consignment he said no consignment i thought well it's the end of that and then a few days later, a great big box of tapes arrived in the mail saying, you better not rip me off. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh shit. He, he was just so gung-ho to get his message out that yeah. he went ahead and sent the tapes anyway. And so, you know, I was able to pay him within a reasonable amount of time. And that just kind of began like a very, uh, a very pleasant working relationship. <laughs> and... Um, Things got very real a couple months later when this guy, Brian Douglas Clemens, and anybody who's listening to this here podcast should look up Brian Douglas Clemens because he's a story in and of itself. Yeah. Um, Brian Douglas Clemens had this idea for a video that he wanted to make. And um, the basic concept was old Brian wanted to go into a, a bare, empty room and be tied up, pissed on raped in the mouth oh wow and have somebody read his poetry while all this was going on i did not see raped in the mouth coming at all then it was like tied up pissed on raped in the mouth fucking yeah you know like i said brian was quite the character in his own right it is definitely (laughs) worth researching he of course he's of course not alive anymore you wouldn't expect someone like to someone like that to live very old he didn't (laughs) um and so he called me saying, hey, do you know anybody who will help me do this video? And I said, I think I know the guy. <laughs> I think I know who can help you actualize this dream. <laughs> so we set up this video shoot, which involved <laughs> just the most ridiculous circumstances you can imagine. Like Brian, in so many words, stealing his father's car um we rented a very expensive video camera from a, a video store because uh, this was in the days when video cameras were not common currency yeah, you know, yeah they were these big bulky really expensive things and you had to go rent one if you couldn't afford one so yeah. you had to rent this video camera from a, a, a video store and drive up to new hampshire to do this thing with Gigi. and <laughs> um i doubt that it's on youtube because it's, yeah, yeah. it's just so insane. It's just completely screwed up. It's it's one of those things that to this day, I mean, like I make it available on DVD-R, but I've, I tried in the past to get a manufacturer and a distributor for it. No one no one will touch it. Oh, wow. Uh, it's the kind of thing that YouTube will yank probably within seconds of it being put <laughs> up. Uh, it's worth, you know, you can try to look at it. It's called The $20 Poem. 
The twenty dollar poem. The twenty dollar poem by by G.G. Allen and Brian Douglas Clemens. And the scenario that I described to you earlier that Brian wanted to have played out yeah. was just a very kind of mild version of what actually did happen. Oh shit. And I got it all on Yeah, you're right. Oh you're right. Yeah. well, G.G. Allen was involved. Of course. <laughs> And I got to videotape the whole thing. Oh, oh it no. It was amazing. And it ended up with me trying to drive. I had never driven in New England snow before. Yeah. You know, Florida, there's no snow. So it's April, it's winter, there's snow. Brian's passed out drunk, and he's just been beaten half to death by Gigi Allen, and I crashed his father's car, and <laughs> it was just like... It was just beyond belief. Yeah, you know, we finally it. got back to Connecticut. I got a call the next day from Gigi saying that the New Hampshire police were looking for Brian's father because his car had been involved. In all oh no! <laughs> if you don't mind, take us back to the origins. Where did Tim Holhouse first appear? Uh, well, my first sort of appearance, I guess, was uh, I was born in Dorchester. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I came out with my mum and went, hi. Uh, was Tim Hallhouse, issue one. Issue one. I was born like a month and a half early. I was supposed to be born on Christmas Day and my birthday's 9th of November. Oh, really? I was obviously very fucking curious <laughs> what was going on. Uh, I was told, the doctors told my parents that I was going to be dead uh, by the morning, give me a name. And so my name, Timothy, is Timothy Charles Hallhouse. Is my full name. I don't like telling people my middle name, but I will do. Um, and that is because Language Timothy, or I think it was called Sorry, Ronnie Corbett was on the TV. Okay. And then it was followed up with some news about Prince Charles, and my dad just went, right, that'll do. He's going to be <laughs> gone by the morning, sort of thing. And then oh it was like... Oh my God, that's heartbreaking. And then, and then uh, my parents were very upset and stuff, and they gave me a name. And the doctor went in first thing in the morning um, to uh, see, you know, pronounce me dead, and I pissed in his face. <laughs> so I was punk rock from the start. One question I've got written down. Go on. Uh, who is the Avon Rambler? <laughs> <laughs> Why are you asking that? Because uh, I've got you on Facebook <laughs> and I see it coming up in comments all the time. And I'm, I'm intrigued. I like to do that. Uh... Right. The Avon Rambler. I'll explain this now. I'm on. Uh... <laughs> That's caught me out. That's quite funny. That is funny. Uh, the Avon Rambler is. Um... Right. Uh, basically, I'm on a committee in a football club, okay. right? There's <laughs> another fucking uh, another story going. Yeah, but I'm on a committee, a football club, and <laughs> we were at a committee meeting once, and uh, the chairman said we under we un it's quite funny now, but he said uh, we under cyber attack. He said from the Avon Rambler, right? Well, it's fucking as funny, isn't it? I burst, <laughs> I burst out laughing. I burst out laughing, and he said it's you, isn't it? You're the fucking Rambler, and everything's on the Avon Rambler. And what the Avon Rambler is is a guy going on the. <laughs> It sounds fucking stupid, like, it's so childish. It's, uh, it's a guy going on the not uh, Welsh League unofficial forum where people talk about football. <laughs> okay. And he's got, uh, he's got like, the badge of our club, trailing badge, and he's he calls himself the Avon Rambler. And he just slides. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a fucking gossip girl situation. <laughs> he slags off... Um, he slags off other teams and saying about how good uh, Travail is <laughs> and that kind of thing. And they think it's me. But I don't got fucking time for that shit. Like, he's like writing paragraphs and stuff saying like about <laughs> form. And I haven't got time. We are, I have a, I have a suspicion who it is. I think I know who it is. Uh, would you... Are you going to keep it to yourself or would you like to out it on the most I, I, I'll, I'll put it out in the podcast. I think it's a man called Matthew Stanton. You hear it here first. And his, uh, you hear it first. And his brother, Daniel Stanton. I think they're doing together. I would like to point out, I have no involvement in this. Uh, Stanton <laughs> Brothers, if you hear this, uh, you may have listened to the rest of the it's podcast out. and realise that I'm, I'm a lover, not a fighter. <laughs> Just go for Sandro, yeah, he's the one out. who outed you. It's out, it is out. Yeah, I think it's them. I don't know, though. Um, so, going back to what you just said, you've only been doing comedy three years. Uh, officially been back three years. I actually started back in 1998, believe it or not. I, I was part of the original Welsh comedy boom of all seven of us back in 98 when we, we we formed a band together, a comedy show band. No music, no music. We just went out and did five-minute sets. Okay. With the Bendy Clocks. And we, we, we toured the world as far as Swindon. Wow. Yep. The, the heady heights of Swindon. We got to Swindon, yep. We used to have uh, comedy combat where we would um, challenge the Bristol mob to an international Wales v England com comedy off. And it was when we'd be having like Russell Howard would be coming down here doing it when he was an open mic, James Dowd's Wells, uh 
uh, what's his face, that compare Mark Olver, they'd all come down, they, they'd challenge We beat them, by the way. Fucking A. We, we yes. beat them, yeah. Oh, yeah. We, we, we are funnier than Russell Howard, but then again, how difficult is that? <laughs> That's the closest I've ever come to national pride. Right? In fact, Russell Howard came down, when the day I met my wife, he came down to Pontedary Rugby Club and did a gig for me for free. Oh, and, excellent. Uh, it was handy because he, he did 45 minutes, we couldn't stop him, so we, we used to, um, we would pop out and... Uh, have a cuddle, shall we say. Oh, very nice. <laughs> how, how very eloquently put. <laughs> As you say, so there was uh, a break in the in-between, and you've been back three years. Mm. Uh, what was the impetus to, to come back to stand-up comedy? Um, it was odd thing. I think I just missed it. I, I, I missed being out there and being the centre of attention, uh, officially. The official, <laughs> official reason was my wife had to retire. She, she's got MS and had to retire from right. work. And I thought, oh, well, I'll, I'll go back and do, earn some extra money. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I was kind of doing okay before then. I was, you know, I was in doing the odd Glee club. And I was doing off the curb gigs, and yeah, it was, so so there was money coming in. So I thought, oh, how difficult can that be? Mm. Um, so I went back into it, and I started back open, open miking again. But it was I just started miss it. I started re- basically wanting to do it again and start from scratch again. And I'm I'm loving it now. Yeah. Well, I went into acting. I was I was an actor for a bit. An actor. I was an actor. I was a twenty stone film extra. So a background artiste, we call them. I worked a lot because I covered a lot of the background, but I used to do some amazingly <laughs> weird jobs. I, I was with the Ugly Models Agency in, in London, and they would phone you up and say, hello, uh, we've got a lovely job for you. It's a commercial in Denmark. Uh, how hairy is your ass? And it, was, <laughs> it really was that that sort of weird jobs I'd get. I, I was once a human wave machine where I had to jump into a swimming pool, Um my stomach has been on the cover of drugs I actually take for diabetes or used to take for diabetes when I was that big. Oh, really? <laughs> actually, my stomach with, with someone else's belly button. Uh, oh. My belly button wasn't cheeky enough, so they actually um, photoshopped the belly button of a large black opera singer called Deborah onto mine. So we kind of merged in the middle. I have a golden tummy oh, fantastic. With, with, with a woman's belly button. It's What constitutes a cheeky belly button? I don't know. Uh, my, I had a... An umbilical hernia the size of a small egg at the time. Oh, that was pretty damn cheeky. Yeah, that's but, not something uh, you see every day. I winked at you, for God's sake. But, uh... <laughs> I just feel, I just feel very empathic, and I feel like, oh, I'll, I'll imagine what that person must have gone through. If I see, oh something, God, yeah, I can't watch horror films because I'm imagining what that's like and how that would feel and how bad it is for the people and don't show me anything to do with animals any animal because i'm ready to like reach into the screen and mur- i will murder <laughs> i will right this how is many the tvs police. have you like punched <laughs> holes through <laughs> fuck me too many to mention <laughs> honestly like people i'm not so bothered about i'm like yeah whatever you know we you know. ten a penny yeah there's, there's too many people in the world anyway and i think if somebody gets murdered this is me now in a week i'm gonna be murdered i'm like oh my god it was so prophetic i'm listen to this podcast it'll make you an amazing superstar ah, podcast superstar i've never said this to anyone before <laughs> but please get murdered yay yay <laughs> thank you for the hat please get oh, murdered i don't want to please die, don't get murdered <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, if that happens now, I'm going to feel absolutely uh, awful. <laughs> you're going to feel awful. I'll be like, probably, well, I won't be able to feel anything because I'll be dead. But yeah, if there is an afterlife, that. if anything, be relieved, if anything. Cause, you know, it's hard work life, isn't it? Paying your bills. Ugh. Ugh, working. Ugh. I'd be quite happy. I, this is it. I don't want to be famous. I just want to be rich. Yeah. But yeah, I can't watch horror films. Can't watch it because of that. But, but certain horror films I can. Like, do you, do you have Netflix? Yeah. Have you noticed that on Netflix, they've decided that thrillers can be horrors? So I'm like scrolling through the thrill because I used to love all the, the 80s and 90s thrillers, like Basic Instinct and stuff. Oh, yeah. Okay. I can do that. But anything to do like Saw, Jigsaw, forget that. How is that even entertainment? That's bizarre. How is how the fuck? Why would anyone go? Oh, nice Friday night. Now I'm gonna get my lug. I get my takeaway. Relax and watch a fucking people torturing each other. What? What? You're having the the no. conversation with the complete wrong person <laughs> on this. I am an or absolute avid horror fan. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, because what? I've got a massive Sorry. Evil Dead two tattoo. Now Evil my Dead forearm. isn't horror. I, I've watched Evil, Evil Dead. Dead is, well, Evil Dead one was Evil Dead two is very much a comedy. Oh, and Army of Darkness, a cartoon exactly. <laughs> Um, but with the Saw films, they, they aren't good, don't get me wrong. They're not good I've films. I've not watched them. But they're, they're just entertaining, just to see not only the ideas it. they have, but how poorly they Ex- execute these oh, ideas. <laughs> you got any other terrible puns up the sleeve? I'm in a pun mood now. Uh, terrible puns. Um, 
Let me have a look at my my, note, my notes. I'll do the same. We're going <laughs> to... You can tell it's the age of the millennial comedian that we've both instantly gone to our Google Docs to find what puns we have. <laughs> I, it's cute that I've titled it. Jokes. Look here, Sean. I have an arm fetish. It's the pits. <laughs> uh, shit, this, these jokes in mine go back a long time. Um, you can tell what mood I was in when I wrote this. Uh, obviously, it's not a, a pun, but it just says, do you ever look round at the wonder of man's creation and think, what the fuck have we done? <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, no. Oh, just, this one just says, heroin cooking show with a question mark. <laughs> Monkey tennis. <laughs> <laughs> I've got Birmingham accent. I've won the lottery. <laughs> Just, I've got to make a joke out of that, apparently. That's the thing. At the time, it seems like gold, and you put it in the notes, and then you forget to work on it, and you read back, and you're like, what the fuck is a heroin cooking show? Or it's like the day of Raphael's, and you're like, um, I've had to be scrolling quite fast in my jokes uh, jokes notes recently. And then you have a look, and you're like, oh, this is all shit. <laughs> How about this? A lot of people peak in school. I peaked in the womb. Well, <laughs> out of the womb. <laughs> I've written I've written erotica about elderly people involving sensory deprivation. Fifty shades of Hey <laughs> <laughs> See the husky laugh. That's me like thinking, Oh fucking classic Sean. Oh brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. But I, what I need then is the lesson of testing it and just a, a sea of faces going, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> one last one from mine. And this is just an observation, not a joke, something to work from. It just says, I just saw a buggy with a broken flat screen TV abandoned in the middle of the road. Swansea city of culture. <laughs> I, no, I've got a note like that. It's um, cr- crisps on a bar, wet packet. <laughs> what? <laughs> you know, you, you buy a drink yeah, and you ask for crisps. I hate, like, having, like, beer juice on the, you know, the outside of a packet. Because then you touch a packet and then it's on your hands. Like, I've got a problem with cooties. And so I've always got my hand ready to, to accept the crisps to directly. To the crisps before they hit the like, on the on the bar every time. And for some reason I've written it in my jokes folder because I want to do something about it. I think you should. That's quite good. <laughs> How about this? When young people die, why do people say they had their whole lives ahead of them? <laughs> Clearly they didn't. <laughs> I've got a joke about um, about X hamster, but I don't know how to word it. Second, basically, this is what I've written: second-hand hamsters, porn, X hamster. Oh, that website wasn't for rehoming hamsters. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wanted, I wanted to tell a joke like that because I got outed as a love honey customer at a gig the other day. Okay. Because he, he um, this comedian said that. Um, <laughs> oh, so like a delivery guy comes in with an eight-foot dildo, like delivery for sure. <laughs> it says LH Trading. Yeah, thanks, love honey. The postman knows exactly what I've ordered. You say that he entered a he had a comedy competition. He was sponsored by Love Honey, and um, he oh, no, it was Bath, and he was asking the audience to guess like where where it was um, who it was sponsored by. And it was sponsored by Love Honey, and me and another woman laughed, and he was like, "Oh, you just outed yourself as um, customers of sex toys." I was like, "Oh my god!" Oh, so I thought, right, I'm going to do it now, and I'm going to tell an ex hamster joke as soon as I've crafted it, and get my friends in trouble. It's <laughs> <laughs> like that. Oh, you know, I never watched it. Never watched porn of you. <laughs> <laughs> How about this one? My weird wanking habit is really getting out of hand. <laughs> I got two wanking jokes. <laughs> well, they're not jokes. They're joke ideas. <laughs> I've just got two thoughts about wanking. Look how lazy this is, right? I've literally started putting screenshots of conversations in my jokes folder because I can't be bothered to copy and paste. Um, so talking about like... Um, when someone says about violently wanking, just what what if that meant just wanking and punching people? <laughs> <laughs> That's my fetish. And um, my one of my workmates uh, was talking about being a bus wanker the other day. And I, I said, how else am I supposed to stop people from sitting next to me? <laughs> <laughs> I like that one. That's really good. Question two. Speaking of Bake Off, uh, I'm finding myself more and more obsessed as the days go by with Paul Hollywood. He's an Arctic love yeah, machine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a beautiful man. He's a fucking British Baldwin. Yeah. So here's my question. Who do you think would win in a fight? Paul Hollywood or six Mary Berries formed into a flesh Voltron or Megazord? Oh, Paul Hollywood. He looks like he's a strong man. He's a big lad, isn't he? 
Lots but of, he's, he's always got a, lots of cake. <laughs> he's always got a loose hanging shirt on though. So is it is he ripped? He looks like he's got a bit of muscle, but I don't know if he's But then again, Mary Berry is She's an old woman. She's eighty two, I believe. I wanna th- I, what I wanna find out. I think they're like she's like a power zord, is she? She's like a fucking um So like Megazord, the six of her she's transformed individually up. yeah, they've transformed into one. She's got two Mary Berry legs, Mary Berry body, two Mary Berry arms and a Mary Berry head. Something along those lines. Or maybe just a bigger David Cronenberg looking kind of Mary Berry. Yeah, like six like they've they've melted they've Cronenberg into a giant Mary Berry, but it's all like it's like one person's body, but they're all like deformed. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Um Uh, also in regards to her age, she's eighty two, I believe. Yeah. Uh would the age of the Megatron then be times by six? Because that would make her four hundred and ninety two. And I think that puts the odds more in their favour because eighty two or four hundred and ninety two, right? Eighty two, that's an elderly person. Yeah, you yeah. could probably beat up a pensioner. Yeah. Four hundred and ninety two is some type of mythical being. Yeah, that's what it's There's, got it's got a connotation of like Yeah, yeah. That's that's a like fucking never wizard. Die. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But Paul Hollywood also looks like a wizard. So is there that more going on behind the scenes of Bake Off that we're unsure about? Well he's not even in they're not they've they've changed they've split now anyway. This is my uh, my dark confession. I've only just started watching Bake Off, and I'm catching up on Netflix yeah. of all the old series. Oh my god! I- I'm still BBC. There's so era much Bake more Off. out to watch than that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I I don't know. I think Paul. I want to find out as uh, Paul Hollywood versus six of them. I think he probably if there were six on their own, uh, six Mary Berries, not Cronenberg, not in a power zord, just like lined up. I think he'd batter her. Megazorded. It's he's got the thing is Paul has to believe in himself. <laughs> I'm like, sure he does. Like if he if he's if anything he's a little too self-assured. If he's like going into it like right here we go Mary like I'm gonna fucking I'm gonna f- like there's powers Lord Mary I'm gonna fucking have her like she's getting decked like if he goes in like, <laughs> she's getting fucking murked <laughs> she's getting she's getting slapped like if he goes into it like that he's got her if he has any any hesitation she she's gonna do it. I was a teenage goth, so... Um, <laughs> That's got to be the name of your memoir. <laughs> <laughs> I I did have a turning point, though. Okay. Um, I was walking along St. Helens Road by Joe's Ice Cream, famous Sonsy Landmark, and um, I was wearing... And this is August. Okay. okay. So, if I said Jenko jeans, would you know what I mean? Uh, they like the old Slipknot Criminal Damage, M- ma- massive, like, massive baggy jeans. It looks like you mugged Meatloaf and are wearing his <laughs> clothes, right? So I had those on with, like, chains. Um... <laughs> and a trench coat. Of course. Of course. Did you used to hang out in Castle Gardens? Um, yes, but only I used to make cameos because I was the coolest. Ah, there we yes. go. So we may so, have intermingled. Uh, I don't at know. I was probably time. about ten years older than you, though. Really? I'm thirty-three. Well, yeah, I'm twenty-nine. Oh, that's so, not yeah, it's not too maybe. much. For a second, then I was like, "No fucking way, are you forty! <laughs> oh my god!" <laughs> yeah, I'm, t- I'm twenty-seven. I mean, I'm twenty-seven. Twenty-seven. Is that your um your stage age, as it were? Um, I just decided when I was twenty-seven that I was going to stay like that. But then when I hit, because at least then if you die, you're cool. Yeah, well, it's it's a good age, <laughs> but um, unfortunately. I, I mean, not, not, I mean, fortunately, that, that's the wrong word. Fortunately, <laughs> I lived past 27. Yeah, unfortunately. Um, yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> and I realized that, like, actually being in your 30s is amazing. Because like you were saying just now about, like, feeling, like, no pressure to look cool or anything. Yeah. Oh, I, I just stopped caring. Yeah. Anyway, back to my anecdote, because I didn't finish it and I don't want to get distracted. Um, basically, walking down the road and a chav in a fiesta threw a full bottle of Sprite at my head. Uh, how, what um, big? How big are we talking? Like two liter bottle? No, no, like a can. I should say, still a full can of if sprite. If it's full, that's going to hurt. It really hurt. I got covered in sprite. It ruined my coat, and and he was like, "Oh, it's the summer," and I was like, "Yes." Oh, thank you for reminding me. I've been walking around sweating in this heavy coat all day. Like, if only there was something I could do about this. But it was kind of like, do you know when you realise like it was just a short, sharp shock? And I was like, yes, yes, it is the summer. Maybe I shouldn't be wearing fourteen layers and stinky denim. Oh, right, as denim. you said, it was the turning yeah, point. Yeah, it was my turning point moment. So I took that trench coat off because one, it was covered in sprite, and two, I was warm. So I took it off, and I was like, <gasps> do you reckon it? Um, because obviously you got hit in the head with it. Do you reckon so it like jolted you into just 
Maybe. The next stage of your life. Maybe it was something you would gradually come to, but it was just like, a, as you said, short, 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 which is hard to say. Yeah. Boom, you're no longer a goth. Or maybe I've just had concussion for 15 years. <laughs> would love it if in like four months' time you kind of heal from this concussion and the trench coat goes back on. Should I explain James Dunn to people? Can you explain James Dunn to people? Because I, I really want to get him on the podcast. Yeah, he's he's sort of like a mythical creature. <laughs> like if yeah he loves dogs i'm sure he's half dog half man <laughs> he's like the lower half is dog like, yeah do you see when he gets excited his tail starts going <laughs> mental he's a really nice guy he's, um yeah just like he's a barman he's really nice friendly um yeah just he used to wear a hat he doesn't anymore he's got a joke i don't want to butcher the joke but okay. one of his jokes is he looks like he was born divorced <laughs> So if you can imagine that, um, yeah, and I... Um, Ex-hat-owning mythical barman. Yeah. <laughs> he, um, I take, you know, I take a lot of selfies. Yeah. Um, I was in a gig once, and this guy who I'm not friends with, I didn't know who he was, he just came up to me and he said, oh, you're the guy who takes all the selfies with James Dunn. Just <laughs> <laughs> so sort of being recognised. Um, talking about the uh, flourishing working relationship with you and James Dunn, yeah. uh, I saw... I unfortunately couldn't make the gig, but I saw the clip from the uh, gig swap, yeah. uh, or the set swap gig you guys did recently. Yeah. You performing as James Dunn yeah. was spot on. It was oh, it you. was fucking hysterical. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we um, originally, I was meant to be, we were both, so there was a couple of dropouts on the day, okay. and, and a couple of days before, so I was meant to be with Simon Emanuel, yeah. which, yeah, if you don't know him, he's the most... High energy act in Wales, I think it's fair to say. Do you know how hard I've been trying to get him on the podcast? Is he... No, honestly, it's not his fault. It's All not right. my fault. But it, it, literally this week, mm. uh, we rearranged again. Yeah. Uh, and he messaged, how about Thursday? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, Thursday sounds great. I'll book it in. Turns out he meant Tuesday and misspelled uh. it. So Tuesday, I'm on my way home from work. And he was like, what time should I come over, man? And I was like, uh, <laughs> Thursday? <laughs> So once again, we're still in the uh, the booking process, but I'm desperately trying to get Simon yeah, on. At the he's moment. great. He's one of my favourites. But I'm really low energy, deadpan, and he's running around the stage everywhere. Yeah. yeah. And James was meant to be with Sam Lloyd. Okay. Who, yeah, who's yeah. Another Newport act, really funny. Um, and they've known each other for like eight years or something. And um, the last minute, I swapped with James. Like we've got natural chemistry on stage and off, so it was really easy yeah. to do. But I made a couple of accusations. <laughs> I don't know, am I allowed to mention it on the podcast or? Accuse away. James Dunn allegedly fucks dogs. <laughs> <laughs> he absolutely doesn't, but he does. But allegedly. <laughs> well, as you know, as we pointed out earlier, he has the lower half of a dog. Yeah. So is it really bestiality if he's getting his little his little dog weenus in there? Yeah. I, yeah. I, I hope the RSPCA isn't listening. <laughs> Oh, they're my biggest fan. <laughs> the official sponsor of the Most Best Podcast. Uh, how was Britain's Got Talent? The death of my mother? Fuck off! Oh, sorry, Britain's Got Talent. Uh, <laughs> right, Britain's Got Talent. Yeah, what do you want to know now about it, Zach? Uh, how did you get involved with it to begin with? Right, well, you may hear stories, and it's certainly happened that some people were contacted by the TV company and say, oh, we've heard about you. Would you like to come along and come on our first television round? Now, none of that happened to me. I uh, actually did uh, an audition in the Swansea Grand Theatre. Okay. Back in, I think it was last September. I could have gone to Cardiff, but I went to the Cardiff audition in 2015 in Sophia Gardens. And I turned up on a cold, that was a November night, and I went to the door and I just couldn't face it and what part of it was the fear of of being humiliated on television and then also seeing all these queues of people and I don't know I just thought this is not for me yeah and then last year I decided it's still not for me but I'm going to do it anyway <laughs> yeah because I think partly because Deliso Chapondo who's a, who's a pretty good comedian came third last year and that was a good inspiration for me. I think a lot of other comedians got the same idea as well. And then I went to, instead of going to Cardiff where there was loads of crowds, I went to Grand Theatre in Swansea on the first floor. They have a room and there was only a few people 
came in. So I went in, there were two researchers with a video camera. I did 15, 20 minutes. They took that back to London. A few weeks later, they emailed me, said, yeah, we want you to do what they call, I think they call it, they call it the audition, but they mean the first round okay, yeah, on yeah. television. Oh, anyway, it's in front of Simon Cowell and the other judges. And they chose what material I was it was all my material all oh, right so out they, of what you did yeah, they cut yeah, the set together yeah. for you as it were I basically had no choice for the first round yeah they said we want you to do the Baba Black Sheep song at the end we want you to do the guitar case on your head you know all the visual things and there was barely barely any room for me to put any of my of my jokes in but I insisted I gotta have a couple of jokes at the beginning and I went to Blackpool in the Winter Garden Theatre. And yeah, it was it was a very um, um, kind of um, awe-inspiring, nerve-wracking experience. I can fucking imagine. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the prospect of doing it was kind of scary, but I was managing to put it at the back of my mind. And then... I thought it could go horribly wrong. You know, in the first few seconds, they might completely misunderstand me. They might think I'm not funny. And they might give me four buzzes, you know. Hmm. And, you know, you wait for a buzz and three of them come along all at once, right? <laughs> but but it's got talent, four of them might come along. So you never know what was going to happen. And I thought, if that happens, I'll be made to look like a fool. It'll be on the internet. It might last a few weeks and then people will forget about it. And so, um, I mean, some people have had a terrible time on Britain's Got Talent and still put on their publicity as seen on Britain's Got Talent and still try and get work out of it. I, I didn't really want to be one of those people. Uh, but as it was, the first round um, was, um, it was, that was the, the hardest part when you're a comedian, especially, is um, talking at the pre-performance chat to the judges. Okay. You know, because it's like pure kind of... You know, it's 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 nothing. You know, it's, yeah, you know, yeah. What is the point of it? And the point of it is, it helps bolster the the judges themselves, who are the stars of the show. But it does give you an opportunity if you can get in there to make the live audience laugh at that moment and try and make the judges laugh or make them react in a good way. That's before you've started your your set. And I was lucky because Simon Cowell asked me a question. Was anybody here with you today? Because he was quite, I thought he was quite cold and clinical. Yeah. But he said, who have you brought with you today? And I said, well, unfortunately. I thought, well, I can either say this or I can just do a normal answer. Yeah, like, okay. Oh, no, I haven't, sorry. But I said, well, unfortunately, my girlfriend couldn't make it because she doesn't exist. <laughs> What's been like the biggest, excuse the French, mindfuck yeah. of... Uh, parenthood definitely it's, lack it's, of sleep yeah definitely yeah because they use it as a torture don't they like if you go to war and stuff this is true they use it as a torture and you can see why because i remember bringing him home and it was just like a nuclear bomb yeah it really was yeah because like every little creak in the floorboard he would just cry and you got to pick him up settle him down and then he, they'd smell your milk or something apparently <laughs> so every time you like walk, i know tell me what when you said breastfeeding like, that was fine when yep, you said smell your milk they do yeah. I, I, I do not feel comfortable oh, right I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so he smells your milk? Apparently, yeah, yeah. They can smell it or they have some sort of like, I don't know, sensors that sense that you're there and they should make your life hell or something. I don't know. Jesus but, Christ. I uh, know, yeah. <laughs> and um, were there any mad side effects of lack of sleep or was it just general world-hatingness? It is basically, yeah, yeah that yeah, one. Yeah. Just general world-hatingness, like the slightest little thing then, like uh, someone cuts you up. Oh, and God, you just yeah. I'm kill you now. I see, I... <laughs> relatively short temper as it goes mm. uh, but i'm a great sleeper so I, I dread yeah, to think what i'd be like if i didn't get my eight yeah. hours <laughs> i'm really bad at like if i don't get like enough sleep or i don't get enough food those two combinations things like going on holiday oh i get like the hulk yeah yeah i get totally hangry <laughs> yeah to the point where Gemma, my partner yeah. will like i will be sniffing and i will know i'm sniffing i know it's coming yeah. and she'll look at me like you're hungry. You're hungry, like, yeah. Here's a Snickers. Fuck off! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I know I'm doing it, and I know it's coming up, but I just walk straight into the trap every single yeah, time. Say, yeah. <laughs> Would you want to be rich? And if I was so, about to ask. Yeah. Being rich? Yeah, uh, it's crazy. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if, like, you can really... Like, when you... I'm quite happy to just live off the fruit that I grow and just whatever, and then the rest of the money just really goes to charity. I, I'd like to have, you know... To know what it's like to have some money. Yeah. Because that's nothing I've experienced I wouldn't before. want millions, though. Oh, no, no. All. But I just mean, like, 
you know. Yeah. A pound. A couple of pounds. I can give you a pound. Mm. Not you should, ladies and gentlemen, a cold, dead, like shark-like look came into Sam's eyes when he just said he'd give me a pound. I'm actually quite scared. <laughs> you just have to write down on a piece of paper that you'd give your soul to me. I actually have sold my soul in the How past. How much did you make good money out of it? Uh, two cans of Foster's. It's not bad. It was at a house party. I'd run out of beers. My friend was like, I've got two beers. I was like, I don't have money. And he was like, well, you can sell me a soul, jokingly. And I wrote a contract and we both signed it and he still has it framed on his bedside table. Really? Are you... How, are you a bit worried about it? Absolutely not. Really? Want me to kill your friend? Get it back? I can make it happen. <laughs> I'm rich. You're rich? I did, you're fruit rich? Yeah. For a fruit, I yeah, just what what fruit do you grow? What's he allergic to? <laughs> Throw some of that. Strawberries? I got some. Wild ones. So this is what I was alluding to earlier in the interview okay. when I said you've had your problems. Uh you are a one, had one problem. Yeah, and that's being an assassin, you know. Mm. Worldwide celebrity as you are. Yeah. Uh being an assassin in some people's minds may make you the bad guy. How do you feel the press have uh, portrayed you negatively? Um, being someone who murders people's families in front of them with fruit. For no money, because as you said, you're just in it for the fruit. There's a great man once said, uh, it's fake news, you know? <laughs> <laughs> it's a dear, dear friend. <laughs> dear friend dear of mine. Friend. Let's no. just call him <laughs> President Trump. Mm, I call him what he want, I just call him uh, Danny. <laughs> Danny. <laughs> you're a pretty cool guy. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's, it's, just, it's just a shame to see it, to, to see it go. Um, obviously, the, as I said, the Uplands have got plenty of places to go. Um, no, but um, they're already fucking expensive, though. Yeah, well, well, compared to um, my girlfriend Rachel lives in London now. Yeah, yeah. and I'm experiencing what London prices are. Oh. We went to a com- we went to a comedy night in uh, in Covent Garden, and uh, it was really good. It was fifteen quid a ticket. Oh, nice. Laughing, there's like uh, five acts, and you know, more than your money's worth. So we we're like, I'll oh, we'll go for a drink afterwards. We got kicked out at eleven. Went to a pub in in Covent Garden. I was like, I'll have a pint. I can't remember what it was. And a double gin and tonic for for Rachel, and I naively held a ten pound note in my hand. Thinking, <laughs> I'll I'll pay for this, Rachel. And he went, "That's fifteen pound ninety. And I was like, "Oh, do you take check? Because <laughs> <laughs> so, I wire you the money." <laughs> Before we start really dissecting the fucking absolute treat, honestly, I'm so happy about this film, uh, Justice League. Uh, I I wrote some Justice League jokes for you. Just especially for you. I wrote, I wrote these with you in mind. I am not a fan of the new pun-based Zach, so I'm not looking oh, forward to this. It's it's going to get fantastic. So, uh, joke one. How does Superman work out the Justice League's monthly budgets? His calculator. Don't look at me like that. Joke number two. What do Batman and Superman call their sleepovers? The Just Us League. See, that's what I want... <laughs> That's what I want to call this episode. It, it, you've been really tense. It's just me telling puns to myself like for the good listeners. Puns. Well, the these puns. are the best puns you get into. <laughs> fucking get used to it, sister. This it, this one's a fucking chore. I, I don't enjoy this one. Rumor has it the second string heroes aren't allowed to fly in the invisible plane, but have to drive around from the scene of the crime in a blue beetle. I'll appreciate that one just for the deep dive for blue beetle. So <laughs> you would enjoy that you one. Get, you know, you get at least a smirk for that, but that's more of a Oh, Blue Beetle, then. That, that, that was <laughs> Oh, he knows who Blue joke. Beetle is. <laughs> okay, number four. Have you heard who's booked to play the Justice League's annual Xmas party? Aquaman. <sighs> <laughs> who, who is making an Aqua joke in 2018, Zach? The most best podcast, you motherfucker. You need to look at yourself in the mirror. I do more than anyone needs to. Uh, joke number five. <laughs> Tom, we're not even halfway through. The, yeah, this is the painful part. Oh, this is great. What uh, Justice League member will only... <laughs> I don't know if this joke's offensive. What Justice League member will yes, only probably. eat meat prepared in accordance to his religious beliefs? Halal Jordan. Mm. <laughs> You've got to give me more than that. Though. No, you don't deserve any more. It's great. It's going to sound now because it's going to be like, it's going to jump from joke four to joke six. Why did Batman collect different kinds of metal? Why? Because he was an awe fan. <laughs> yes uh, I like that one Why did Batman's ward go to jail? Why did Batman's what? Why did Batman's ward go to jail? He was Robin Ah, uh, no What do the inhabitants 
what are the inhabitants of Wonder Woman's home uh, island never leave the house without? Themyscara. Themyscara. <laughs> <laughs> uh, two more. Bad. <laughs> but if I could get that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what does the Flash use to eat his dinner? The speed forks. Not bad. And lastly, you're going to get the, the, the punchline for this one. Uh, what member of the Justice League was arrested for public nudity? Booster Gold, the horrible bastard. <laughs> and then my mates were getting into like like performing open mic gigs, you know, doing like really bad covers of Radiohead songs. I was like, I kind of want to do this without the bad Radiohead covers. <laughs> <laughs> and I could like, I know I, I no musical talent, but I was really into stand up. So I kind of Googled how do you become a stand up when go to open mic, to the open mic. And I started from there, and I was like, it, I, "This is how cynical I was as an 18 I can't believe I thought this, but in my head, I was like, "Right, I'm 18 years old. You know, everyone's gonna give me an easy time because I'm really young." <laughs> and I generally, I generally thought this. I was, like, I was 18. It's gonna be so sweet because everyone's gonna be really old, and I'll be like, "Oh, look at me! I'm a brave little 18 year old." He's my stories about being an 18 year old. Ooh, and I was like, "Then I'm gonna get. Oh, and I'm gonna get like you know, I'll, this is this the gimmick." I run with this gimmick, and all that. I'll figure it out when I'm 22. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and then that's that's what I got. And then on my third gig, I met a guy called Sam Lloyd. You've met Sam? I'm not sure actually. He's a very good comedian. He's a very good comedian. I, I, I'm aware yeah, of Sam Lloyd. Yeah. I'm not sure if you've ever met. Yeah, no, he's um, he's uh, so I met him at my third gig. Okay, and he was also 18 years old and from Newport, where I'm from. And like half of me is like. Oh, because we just went to different schools. We never knew each other. We were like we were in, like never shared like social circles. We were in diff- different schools. Didn't know each other like it was back then. And I was like, wh- like half was like, oh wow, this is like because I thought it was really weird. I wanted to stand up at that age because no one else wanted to do it. And I was like, wow, that's cool. There's someone 18 years old. There's someone my age, literally my age, who wants to do stand up. Who's doing stand up? Like we just have, we should have so much in common. Like this is amazing. We should hook up. We should become friends. You know, like this is amazing. But then there was another half of me that was like, it's literally my fucking act. It's literally my fucking act. <laughs> <laughs> literally is what I, like, I was on after him and all that kind of thing. And then I met him. What made it worse is I met then Luke Smith, who's known as Frank Foucault. Oh, yeah. Who was, I think he was 16, 15 when he started. So not only had, there was someone else on the scene doing my act, but there was someone younger than me. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I've got to work now. <laughs> Yeah, the start of it, basically, it's four different climates. Um, so you start off in tropical rainforest. It's about 30 degrees, roughly, there. Um, and then you get into sort of, like, moorlands then, after yeah. that. And then after that, the third climate is, like, basically barren wasteland desert, where it's really ridiculously hot again still, and you're exposed pretty much to the sun now because there's no trees. Because obviously you're getting higher up the mountain, like the trees can't survive further up. And then we have the final one, which is uh, glacial. And that's when it's all snow and like ice crevices and things like that. So that sounds terrifying. And how long does it take to actually get up the mountain then? Six days, including descending. Okay, because I saw earlier a guy did it in six hours. Yeah. How? Running up and down. What? Yeah. But like... That is absolutely insane, but in a way, like it could be beneficial in a way because you're being exposed for less time to that sort of altitude. It doesn't have enough time to take effect on your your body because obviously being deprived of oxygen, like at the summit, 50% less oxygen. Once your brain is deprived of that, like you start to feel it pretty quickly. So yeah, I guess running like up and down in six hours might help in a way. But at the same time, you're exerting yourself. So also, you've seen those videos of uh, like if you know the, the cheese festival where they yeah, roll a yeah. wheel of cheese and people run down a hill and nail themselves. Yeah, running down Kilimanjaro. Yeah. I don't. Uh, he must have nailed himself a fair few times coming down that thing. Probably, yeah. Like uh, I have no idea how that's possible. Maybe just like. Was it like a wingsuit, like a squirrel suit? <laughs> <laughs> so he just like he got to the top and he's like, away, <laughs> flew off the mountain. Get a squirrel suit. Wet wipes and squirrel oh, suits. Wet wipes and squirrel suits. We have a list of Cardiff or South Wales comedians. Uh, six of them. So we will roll the six-sided die. Indeed. Uh, and what number it lands on corresponds to that. But we also have up to 20 salacious allegations 
which we will then roll the 20-sided die, or what number it is, will then add up to the, that comedian. Does that make sense? Was that a... I think that, yeah. So you've got 1 to 6 for your comedians to randomise, 1 to 20 for the salacious allegations, of which are all completely definitely true. Yeah, like... <laughs> so, would you like me to roll the first one, and would you like to read? Yes, let's, let, we'll, we'll, I'll go first, let's do it. Okay, so we're rolling for the comedian. Number two. Number two, okay. That is... Oh, shall I say it now, or shall I wait until we've got the rest of it? Uh, wait till we've got the rest of it. Okay, all right. And a roll for the allegation. Fifteen. Ooh, let's have a look. So number two and number fifteen. So, that gives us Alice Campion shot the sheriff, but did not shoot the deputy. Ah, there we go. So that clears that up. I know there's been a lot of talk about Alice Campion shooting the deputy, but... It's not true. Yeah. Murdered the fuck out of that sheriff, left his poor wife and poor children almost penniless because he was the sole breadwinner of the family, but at least she didn't shoot the deputy. Fun fact, Alice Campion does own guns. (laughs) Uh, On to the next one. Do you want to roll this and I read this one? Yeah, let's do do that. Okay. So we are first rolling for comedian. Yes. We have four. With the new 20-sided dice. Three. So we have Costas Lucaris watches a live feed of a woman's prison on the dark web. <laughs> I mean, again, you can see that happening. Then again, it's it's really funny that we randomise these dice, yet it's just coming up with facts. It's, yeah, it's, it's meant to be random, but it's just all true. You dirty, dirty boy, Costas. Costas with his... Women. He is into women's prisons. <laughs> he is in women's prison. <laughs> you, as a comedian, have an amazing story as to where you got your start. And I really want to pluck your brains about this. Oh, yes, yes. Uh, so tell the, the good listening audience where you got your start in stand-up comedy, if they're unaware. Oh, yeah, okay. So those who are unaware, um, I, my start on stand-up comedy is... I was in a BBC documentary called uh, Rod Gilbert's Stand Up to Shyness, uh, which was on BBC One Wales first, and then they put it on BBC Two uh, nationally. So that was my ah, first. And if you haven't seen it, I believe it's available on iPlayer and YouTube? Uh, I think it's just got off iPlayer. Oh, really? They've, uh, they repeated it like over a month ago, and it only stays for eight days. Uh, but I think someone sneakily put it on YouTube. So, um, I didn't say anything about uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm not encouraging watching it on YouTube at all. Uh, uh, but if I play, we're going to make it inaccessible. And no, someone's, yeah. Someone's uh, been forthright enough to put it on YouTube. YouTube. Um, but I watched it um, when we uh, decided we were going to talk about it on this episode. And I have to say, it was an absolutely uh, an amazing watch. If you have the chance to see it, I'm not saying go watch it on YouTube. Go watch it on YouTube. <laughs> uh, so... Run down the basic premise then. What what was the the documentary about? Oh, so the documentary about is um, so it's mainly about Rod Gilbert's um, social anxiety and shyness he's had over the years, and you you start and see him about um, this great way he shows up his photographs and he's not looking at the camera at all of any of his pictures. I was shocked by that, <laughs> yeah. especially when you see him on stage. Uh, he yeah. is someone with so much perceived bravado he, yes. he really owns a stage when he's on it so i to find out that he did struggle that level with so much social anxiety was fascinating and even as much as when he sits down with his friends in the pub and mm. describes it to them going back to what we were saying about male bravado mm. and uh hiding these things you could see from a lot of his friends going you you struggle with social anxiety <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, the, oh the great one is when he met uh greg davis in the documentary and yeah he goes to greg davis oh i was i was here about talking about my shyness he goes i thought you were going to talk about my shyness greg davis <laughs> <laughs> I, was like, I didn't know you were shy I, it's like so that was a great part and then we were just like I agree. I just thought you were a bit aloof. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, as you say, it's it's about Rod. Uh, we can call him. Well, you can call him Rod. I call him Rod. Can, I'll call him Mister Gilbert. Mister Gilbert to you. <laughs> so it's about Mister Gilbert uh, talking about his uh, issues with social anxiety, how it's affected him growing mm. up, uh, how it's affected him professionally as a performer. But what he uh, was interested in looking into was uh, can stand up help people with social anxiety and shyness. Uh, to blossom, to come out of their shell. Uh, now, on the documentary, and this is what I want to question uh, you about, on the documentary, he sets up a Facebook page. 
puts it on the internet, and all of a sudden, all these faces start popping up. One of the one of them being the face I see in front of me. <laughs> Uh, responding uh, as part of this quote-unquote social experiment to see if stand-up comedy can yeah, cure yeah. shyness. Is that how it happened? Did you find it through a Facebook page? Uh, no, not exactly. So um, it was through a Facebook page, but not his one. Okay. <laughs> so basically, I'm uh, with a um, social anxiety support group called SWATS. Uh, okay. So, and basically what we do is just a bunch of us with anxiety, depression, mental health issues. We just go out and do stuff like bowling uh it's just that we feel more relaxed yeah because we have other people with the same uh condition so uh so they got the producer contacted them and i think they contacted dan who runs uh swads who's a good friend of mine as well shout out dan yeah shout out for you dan <laughs> <laughs> um yeah uh so uh, they got contacted through the facebook page and i think he put something up like oh this person's interested on people with anxiety issues to do stand-up and actually at the time I was on a real low uh, some family issues uh, yeah. which I delve, delve into and stuff and I think it was a bit of well this is a shot of something <laughs> to get something me out to of do. Yeah, yes, yeah. get me out of this rat I was in I, I, was, I was off sick of work at the time and so it, the, was, it was a particular he, low point yeah. for you um, and is it something you feel has helped? Because I know I can never remember her name. Uh, one of the other comedians you were with on the documentary, I've seen gigging around the circuit. Uh, Kate. Kate. Yeah. And one of the other ones, I haven't seen do it since. No, Jodie hasn't done it since. Um, she said she's had a bit more confidence and stuff. And you know, I did mention she did really like doing it. So, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, I think Kate, Kate is spraggly doing it. I think, uh, and she finds the traveling difficult. Um, but I said, just, just lots to do in Swansea. It's more just doing comedy in Swansea than it is in Cardiff, I find. Because on, on the open mic side. Because of Rafa. Yeah, yeah. Stuff. It's starting to pick up a lot more. Um, but as I say, you are seemingly someone who did it to get yourself out of, you know, as you say, that desperately low situation. But it seems to have sparked something in you because you have run headfirst into comedy. <laughs> oh, yeah, I guess. Uh, too fast, probably, first time. Because I. <laughs> It's, as you say, a birthday party. Originally, yeah. Originally turned tradition really, yeah. at this point. It's not about me anymore. Oh, it it's, is. It's still got my name fuck on off, it. Fuck it's no, not fuck, about you. It really doesn't feel like it anymore. Because people <laughs> forget that it's my birthday for it. Mainly because I've changed my birthday on Facebook so many times to wind people up. Because I get bored in work and I have to do something. I honestly was not lying when uh, we mentioned the attention-seeking nature. <laughs> I get bored. I'm pretty sure I've got ADHD or something wrong with me. but I, just I wouldn't be surprised to, to find this shit. out. I just have to do things to entertain myself because everything bores me. You're a creative mind. You're an active thinker. You're, you know, you're not willing to sit down and just let life pass you by. No, If not. you can annoy someone... I will. Yeah, you'll I'll just... I will go out of my way to annoy people. Oh, I am fully aware. I do it by proxy. I, I tell other people to do things to annoy other people. <laughs> and just me telling them to do those things annoys them, so I still win. It's great. Like, someone's like, I'm on the bus now. It's like, right, have you got a coin in your pocket? Flip a coin, point at someone and go, you're safe. <laughs> and then just see what they do. And they never do it, but I just like that idea. You're spreading chaos. I like it. You're like Loki. <laughs> Loki's fatter, drunker brother. The Mustag. John Grizzly, the Mountain of Mischief. <laughs> I thought I'd go with Mountains of Madness then, but okay. No, Mountains of mountain Mischief. Okay. I'll take that. That it's could good. be the name of your album. The Mountains of Mischief. I like that, yeah. My new prog album. Oh, can we start that band? Mountains of Mischief. Two bassists. Two bassists, That's nothing it. else. Yeah. No singing. Nope. Just two bassists. You doing actual stuff and me just playing the root notes. Transplanted organ rejects Trump. Theresa May comes clean that the term Brexit actually means breakfast exit, which is how she refers to her anus. Coffee shop confuses customers by selling cup of coffee on their new menu. <laughs> Jasper Carrot publicly distances himself from his son Kevin after the Aldi Xmas riots of 2018, which left thousands dead. Brexit deal to be handled by Barber to ensure approval. The Oscars this year will be hosted by a balloon with a face drawn on it after studies reveal everyone has said something controversial at some point in their lives. Did you say Jasper Carrot? Yeah. <laughs> I've got a weird thing about Jasper Carrot. When I was a student, me and <laughs> me and my mate Tom, we had, we had this thing where 
every now and again, one of us would just comment and go, I wonder what Jasper Carrot's doing now. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Publicly distancing himself from his son, Kevin. But it was weird because um, his daughter is a police officer. Jasper right? Carrot. Jasper Carrot's daughter is this. I, this is I not believe, Lucy Davis. I mean. Not Lucy Davis. Yeah. <laughs> no, his other daughter. And um, my mate was at this passing out parade for new police graduates or whatever they call them. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and Jasper Carrot was there. And uh, I remember him saying to me, "It was the one time in his life where he, he could say confidently that he knew what Jasper Carrot was." Doing. <laughs> 